Welcome to Bite Size Dental Marketing. Today I have Dr. Brittany Dickinson. Dr. Dickinson runs Sugar Fix out of Chicago and recently opened the Plump Room. Dr. Dickinson, I would love to hear about your journey through dentistry, how you got started at Sugar Fix, and tell me more about the Plump Room. Sure, Eric. Thank you so much for having me. I got started in dentistry when I first moved up to Chicago from Miami. And I was working with a very large group of dentists actually for corporate dentistry, but it was really special where I was at, had 15 general dentists, about half of which had started the practice back in 1969 and they were still practicing. So they each had their own little subspecialties and I spent time working with them, shadowing them. And I fell in love with cosmetic dentistry. I really liked the effect that it has on people's um, like perspective of themselves. And I started doing a lot of training in that. And it got to a point where I was getting so focused on cosmetics and injectables even as well, that it just didn't fit with the corporate model anymore. And right around that time, a person who I was connected with on Instagram kind of fell more in love with marketing than she was in dentistry. And it all just connected at the right time where I had like a gut feeling that she was pulling back a little bit and wanting to move. And I sent her a message on Instagram asking her if that was the case. She was like, I don't know, maybe let's have coffee. So, you know, this is like my internet friend that I met and had coffee with. We talked for a few hours and by the end of it, we were like, we're going to do this. I'm going to buy your practice from you. You're going to go full-time into marketing. And yeah, it, it all worked. 30 days later, I bought the practice and it was on my own. That's so great. Now, what would you say the biggest challenges you've had of starting your, buying your practice that way and, and focusing on the cosmetics? Um, you know, it was already a cosmetic practice. So everything in terms of like the materials that I would need, the machinery I would need, everything there was in place. So that was actually very easy for me going from being like a fully on employee of a corporation where I just go in and out and don't have to think about anything else in the business. I really had to go and learn the business side of it. Um, and it was really intimidating because like I said, it was a very fast transition. And mm -hmm. I, I hadn't really been planning on buying a practice. So I didn't really know anything about the finances of running a practice, about ordering things, about HR, about being a leader. And that was the thing that I struggled with the most is figuring out how to be that good leader and be the actual business owner. Because the dentist part of it, I've loved for so long. And that's really where I put all of my attention the first eight years that I was practicing. Um, mm -hmm. it was actually really refreshing to come in and say, okay, everything's already in place for me to thrive in cosmetics. It's like I had been waiting for that for so long and that part was really fun to be able to jump in and know, okay, I already have everything I need for Invisalign. I have everything I need for veneers. I have like the space that I can build out for my Botox and filler area and know that it would all be able to come together so, so quickly. So that, that was like the fun part. Yeah. HR and the business side and the ordering, those are almost <laughs> never the fun part. 
flow. I don't know who would say that was the fun part. <laughs> Someone's out there but, that does. Yeah, you know, it, it needs to be done, but it needs mm. to be done. And, you know, now that I have a grip on all of those things, I'm learning how to outsource. And, you know, I think it's as a business owner, I always want to know how to do everything, even if I don't have to actually do the task. So mm-hmm. especially mm-hmm. that first year, year and a half, I was doing everything because I wanted to know those skills inside and out. So I would never be in a situation where someone's sick for a day and I don't know what to do. So right. now I have a good handle on yep. it and I let it, I let other people take care of it now. Nice. That it's funny you say that we, Andre and I, in our company have definitely gone through that same journey. I think that several years ago, I wanted to be the guy who Anytime someone asked me how an AdWords campaign or how, what, what bid strategy we should use, like, I really wanted to have a good answer. And as we've grown, I've had to step back and I, I definitely don't think you'd be the, I don't think you want me to building your AdWords campaigns. Uh, I'm probably going to talk some strategy maybe, but not, uh, not, I don't know that you want my fingers on the keyboard building, a building an SEO campaign for someone now. But, mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah that's heard, really funny. When I opened up Plump Room, um, that's my injectables boutique. It's next door mm-hmm. to my dental practice. I built the website myself. And I mean, I learned how to do all of this from YouTube and it was functional and fine for like a year. And once I understood exactly what I needed, I did hire a firm to make like a really nice website for me. And no one would ever want me to build their website, but I, I know how <laughs> I could function at it but it's definitely not my area of expertise. I think that's the right approach. I, it's funny you talk about building your own website. I think one of the biggest mistakes that dentists who open a startup do is they go and spend, you know, 45, 50, 60 grand in the first six months in marketing. And Mm -hmm. I think they just need to focus on operations and answering the phones and, and doing community events and, I would rather them do it themselves and go on that journey and then bring someone in once they've had the experience of, uh, of, of, you know, operationally what it takes. Yeah. Because I think the the product is so much better, but I, but I think part of that is truthfully just, I think that during that journey, they get to experience what their brand is. And I love the sugar fix brand. I love the, all the imagery is consistent. The website's consistent. The, the videos where you're talking all have a consistent feel. Talk me through how that has, how you keep that consistency across it. And then I would love to hear more about how that consistency led into the plump room. Sure. So, like I said, I bought sugar fix from a previous owner who actually had a very, very strong brand and it was great. Um, but exactly what you said, where you need to know who you are to be able to build out your branding and make it consistent. You know, we're I'm similar to the previous owner because we did all the same things, but our personality types are different. And I know for me, I'm a little more shy, a little more quiet. And I try to make sure that it's my voice on everything. So like, you know, initially it was a lot of work writing all of my own captions for Instagram, creating all of my own videos on YouTube, redoing the website, 
using a lot of the same imagery, like feel from before. Cause I do love it. I love the pink and the girliness and the fun that really mm -hmm. resonated with me. But when it comes to copy and video, I think it's so important to know who you are as a practitioner and as a business owner and make sure that it's your voice coming across because you can go and spend, like you said, $50,000 on marketing. But if it's somebody else's voice that's bringing in the, the patients, they're going to come in and meet you and say, that's not what I was expecting. Mm -hmm. So I think having all of this available online as far as website, YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, all of it is just a really great way for you to show exactly who you are to potential patients. And so that they're, de they're deciding that they want to be with you, you as a person, um, especially because I'm a fee-for-service practice. They need to really want to be with me personally. It's not that they're picking me through their insurance. So I try to really mm -hmm. focus on showing who I am, what I believe in, how, how I treat my patients, how the experiences at the office so that they know exactly what they're getting and we deliver on exactly what we're getting. So I'm not showing them that I'm this like really serious person and then they come in and I'm super fun and bubbly <laughs> I or vice versa. I show, I show all of myself so that they know what they're getting. I don't think you realize how evolved you are as far as dentist and marketing go. We <laughs> for years have said, that certainly there's some exceptions, but for the most part, this is true. A marketing team is really marketing the dentist. The dentist is the product and mm -hmm. how you would replace a tooth or how you would fix, you know, something that I didn't like with my smile. There's probably any number of 10 ways. And I, mm -hmm. I think that the average consumer, and well, I think we know this is, true in the industry. I, I know the difference between a, a good clinical dentist and, a, and, a, and an average clinical dentist is, is significantly large. Most consumers just see, just hear dentistry and, and there's this very tight band of normalcy that they would expect. Mm -hmm. And we choose dentists that we relate to. And that's really what we aspire to. And I think that's so good of you. And so, you know, I'll, I'll say evolved in the industry is that more dentists need to highlight who they really are and talk about their approach and talk about what they, what they value, because that's what we as consumers, uh, associate with and, and drive to. But so I think it's, it's, it's whether you were taught this or, or just in your DNA, it's, uh, I wish more of my clients understood that they were the product. That was pretty, pretty fascinating. Yeah. You know, there was a, a woman who came to talk to us in dental school and this is probably right i don't know if it was before instagram or right when it was starting but she said you you all are at this point where you know you can try to hide all of your social media because that's kind of how it was in the beginning i remember in college mm -hmm. every, you wanted everything set to private don't let anyone see all the details of your life and she said that's totally backwards because you have this opportunity to show who you are and people will choose you because of who you are instead of hiding who you are, and then they come and they're taken off guard. And I think mm -hmm. that stuck with me through you know, the last 15 years is that 
I really wanted to show who I was and, you know, keep a certain level of privacy for your personal life, but not to, to hide the fact that I love yoga and tennis and EDM concerts. So I, I show all of it because so do all the people out there, the people who are potentially going to see me, they come in, they're like meeting me for the first time and say, Oh, I, I saw that you and your husband salsa dance and I've just started taking classes. So you already have like a thing to connect with, with these patients because mm-hmm. they've already decided that they like me before they come in. Right. And the fact that you are exactly who you said you are along and the branding matches your personality. Mm-hmm. It, I think it's underrated at how much confidence that would give me as a patient when you do give me a treatment option and you do start laying out what I want, I'm more likely to want to accept it because my journey has been a very confident one uh, to that point. And I, I think it, I think it drives, I think consistency in branding has much further reaching implications on the PNL of a practice than we can measure, if you will, because yeah, of that. Probably. Yeah, probably. When I think about Plump Room, because that was a startup, that we, I was really conscious about how I was setting up the branding um, because I wanted it to be classic because my injection style is like pretty natural. Um, I don't want anyone to notice that my patients have had work done. So I was setting up everything from the name of it to the the color scheme is like red, black, and white, very classic color scheme, all the typography that goes with our branding and really lays it out that we are looking to create symmetry and that I'm looking to make my patients look refreshed and rested. And, you know, as they start to age and lose volume in places, maybe put things back where they were. But I'm not about making those huge transformations where people go from no lips to like selling sunset lips all in one visit. Mm-hmm. It just for me, especially as a dentist, I know that it doesn't function. So I wanted to be really clear about my beliefs and how I want to treat patients there so that I wouldn't get the patients that wanted those things. Cause I'm never going to make them happy because I'm not going to do that. So that has been great actually thinking back to the growth of that business. Um, I think we did it in a really sustainable way because I was very clear about what I would do and what I wouldn't do. And I didn't need to wait to turn away a bunch of patients that I didn't want to treat that way because the branding was so clear. It was very few people that came in asking for things that I wasn't comfortable with. So that was really nice. And I, I I think the marketing is a really big testament to that as well. Now, when you started doing aesthetic work, uh, injectable specifically, how did you start talking to your patients about it? And was it, and and how did you make it to be such a strong part of your practice today? And and I'm kind Um, of putting the plump room in that. Right. And you would think that it would have to be because now I own a cosmetic office and all of that. But I started doing this when I was working for corporate, not doing any cosmetics. I started using it for TMJ and migraines. I think all general dentists 
are checking for wear and they are aware of when their patients have hyperdeveloped muscles, when they have headaches, things like that. And, you know, we recommend either aligning the teeth or wearing a night guard or a combination of therapies. And there are some people that just are either afraid of the dentistry, say they're not going to wear a night guard. This is a really nice option for those people that can't tolerate a night guard or clench during the day. And that's really why I even started doing it. And I found that I would approach people in the dental practice for TMJ and migraine issues. And a handful of them would be like, oh, well, while you're there, can you sprinkle a little in my forehead? Can you get rid of my crow's feet? And that was nice because I never want to make someone feel like they don't look good. That's not mm -hmm. why they're there at a general practice. They, they want to feel good. They want to be comfortable. But if they're asking for cosmetic stuff, that's when I felt really comfortable. Now, I, I work it into my cosmetic consults. I don't talk about doing Botox on someone's forehead if they're there just for maintenance. If they're there to talk cosmetics, I do a full face cosmetic consult, um, mostly for symmetry, not so much wrinkles, because I think people see wrinkles and they either like them or they don't. But when it comes to symmetry, that's something that cosmetic dentists are looking at all the time. We're looking at the pupillary line, we're looking at the angle of the jaw, and we're always looking to create the most symmetrical, natural look possible. And Botox and filler does work really well into that. So that's kind of like the two the two ways that I've incorporated into practices, because it's not just for cosmetic dentists. It's a really big practice boost for general practices that have no interest in doing cosmetics. It's great to be able to provide relief to someone who can't tolerate a night guard or clenches during the day or gets migraines. These are things that, that's actually the part that changes people's life. You know, doing the Botox to relax the forehead and get rid of wrinkles that makes people happy and feel good and smile. But the things with TMJ and migraines change their everyday life. And that's really rewarding too. Hmm. That's so great. Now, if you could go back in time, you know, three, four, five years, what tips would you give yourself? Oh. What, what guidance um, would you give yourself? I told myself to, to go out on my own sooner. I was afraid mm. that I wouldn't be able to do it. And I think I, I kind of been told that I wouldn't be able to do it. Oh, that it's so hard to own a practice. And um, it's not as hard as I thought it was going to be. So I think I held myself back for a really long time thinking it would be terrible. And, you know, there's a lot to learn, but it's, you know, it's stressful to work for someone and it's also stressful to be out on your own. But I think the stress of running your own business is more rewarding almost because if there's anything you don't like, you just change it. And the stress is almost like you love it so much that you want it to be the best it can be. I used to laugh at all the memes of, you know, being an entrepreneur and, and uh, you know, what it's like when you don't have a boss. And like, I feel like I have 22 bosses. It, it that's you know probably the number of employees we have and mm -hmm. you know at any given day my time is very much already spoken for but i in some ways the agency and i'm, I'm sure you feel this way about your practice like it 
it, it's it's like part of me and, and it's such a strong part of my identity that I do want the branding to look a certain way and I do want my employees to be happy and I do want my clients to be happy and like and when they're not I I very strongly internalize it because that's this is an extension mm -hmm. of me and so yeah, yeah I understand no that's that's good to go out sooner yeah now I would love to hear what's next for you where what what are you doing next in the plump room? What 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 out there do you have your mm -hmm. eye on in in procedures or technology or or plans? So let's see. At this point, we're really just growing the businesses. I think Sugarfix was a strong business when I bought it, and it's continued to be. Um, Plump Room has grown, it's doubled in business every year that we've been open, which is incredible. And we're starting to get a lot of dentists asking how to do it. So I've been working a little bit on the side with like a little bit of coaching on how someone can incorporate it into their practice specifically, because everyone's practice is so different. And mine is very unique because I have an additional space next door that I has, you know, a little back door and I can run back and forth and do both of it. Not everybody has that, but I think because I love putting together the puzzle of it, that's been really fun to show other dentists that this is not something that's exclusive to my practice. It will literally, it will work for everybody because there's a way for injectables to work in any kind of practice. A lot of dentists will go and take these like Botox certification class or injection certification classes. And then they get back and they're like, okay, now what? How do I talk to people? Which I think we talked about a little bit already. Like, how do I present this to my patients? What do I need to get started here? And we tend to, as dentists, we want things to be so perfect. And we almost overanalyze how hard it will be to incorporate this into our practices. And in reality, you just need to start talking to your patients in terms of needs, because I, I think when you start to talk to them about the cosmetics, that's when you start to get that little fluttery feeling in your heart, like, oh my gosh, I hope I don't make them feel bad about themselves. If you talk to them about needs, then the ones who are interested in the wants, they'll, they'll bring it up. Um, but they don't know that you offer these things unless you tell them. Um, Every office has a different way of, of marketing that, whether it's online or whether it's having pamphlets out in their waiting room. I like just talking to my patients about it because my branding is more for people who are afraid. I don't really keep dental stuff out in my waiting room. It's like flowers and candy and waters for them. So if someone is wanting to get started in these things, I think starting with talking about the, the needs of the patients, more Botox migraine or TMJ and migraines. And then keep it really simple. Don't, don't have a bunch of different products, have one product that you use for like a Botox type product and one type of filler so that you learn how to do those really well. And there's so many other products out there that you can play with, but you don't want to make it too complicated. Your dentists are already really busy. So I think keep it really simple, keep one concentration hydrated and just know how to do that really well. 
And when it's time to expand, you'll know, you'll know, okay, these patients are booking in a lot. They're referring their friends. Now I need to like expand. I need to like dedicate a little side room to it. And I need to hire like a, a support staff for myself. Dr. Dickinson, thank you so much for your time. And Dr. Brittany Dickinson, Sugar Fix Dental Loft up in Chicago and the plump room next door. Thanks so much for being a guest. And that was your bite of dental marketing. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure.